Hi, fantasy readers. This is Corinne Norton, your fellow book binger, and you are listening to the Finding Fantasy Reads podcast, where you can test out a new fantasy story every single week to find your next favorite author. If you haven't listened to the last two episodes, you'll want to go back and do that because this is part three of five episodes sharing Nutcracker of Crystal Fall by K.L. Moody. Christmas is around the corner, and as much as I love the holiday, I recognize that this can be a hard time of year for some people. It could be that this year was a particularly hard one, with losses that leave you feeling little to celebrate. It could be that it marks the anniversary of a difficult life experience. One of the things I really appreciated about Kay's Nutcracker book was how she addressed the dichotomy that comes with celebrating holidays on hard years in her author's note. So I asked her for permission to share that here as well. She says, November is not my favorite time of year. Without delving too much into the details, my kind and loving parents were killed in a car accident when I was only 12 years old. As you may have guessed, the accident happened in November, the day before Thanksgiving, in fact. It hits me every year, but this year, 2022, was a little different. This year, I am the exact same age my mom was when she died. For most of the year, I did my best to not think about it. I told myself it's just an age, and it doesn't mean anything. But then November hit. It's pretty weird being the age my mom was when she died. It's weird that I'm now older than she ever was. It's surreal, painful, and honestly, kind of scary. If I ever needed a distraction, I needed it this November. That's how this story was born. I wrote this story to distract myself, but also to remind myself that even the scariest, most intense circumstances can still be worked through. No matter what happens in life, eventually a happy ending can be found. This story was for me, but most of all, this story is for you. In searching out and creating my own joy, I desperately wanted to share that joy with others. I hope you'll consider this story a gift from me to you for whatever holiday or birthday you happen to be celebrating next. I hope this book uplifts you and reminds you happiness can be found even after the most troubling circumstances. I hope this story is a reminder that you have greatness inside you. Happy holidays and happy reading. K.L. Moody I love the sentiment in there, and I hope if any of you are struggling to celebrate this year, that you can have grace with yourself, but that you can also find hope and joy in the midst of your difficult circumstances. All right, I promised you'd get part three today, so here it is. Please enjoy part three of Nutcracker of Crystal Fall by K.L. Moody. Chapter 9 Jingling bells sounded as Clara started walking down a new path. Plumia flew ahead of them with her golden wings flapping as she led the way. Revan walked beside Clara his face dropping to a deeper scowl with each step. Each time Plumia slowed or changed directions, the quiet sound of bells changed slightly too. After they moved away from the thicket and the other pixies, Plumia finally glanced back at them. Everything started because Crystalfall has no leader. When Plumia faced forward again and kept flying, Clara turned to Revan. He continued the story right away. High Queen Winola, the High Queen of Fairy, has chosen a king or queen for each of the other courts in Fairy, but not one for Crystalfall. Clara's golden slippers landed lightly against the soil as she nodded. How many courts are there? Seven. 
Flumia said over her shoulder. Seven, including the High Court. Fairy itself chose her to be High Queen, and then she chose leaders for all the other courts. Clara's eyebrows rose. She wasn't sure what to make of the term fairy itself, but she could worry about that later. Now her finger tapped on her chin. That is strange, then, that she has not chosen a leader for Crystal Fall. Plumia scoffed, which ruffled her wings and tangled the sound of bells. It is not just strange, it is dangerous. Revan nodded. Since Crystal Fall has no leader, King Pavel of Fairfrost thought he could take over the court and rule it himself. He took soldiers and trolls and invaded Crystal Fall. Clara's hand flew to her open mouth. How long ago did that happen? Revan's eyes narrowed. It happened already. Yes, but... Clara shook her head. How long ago? Was it yesterday? Was it months ago? Years ago? He stared at her with those same narrowed eyes before turning toward the pixie. How did you explain it earlier, Plumia? There is no time in fairy. It just happened already. Anyway, the trolls and the soldiers, including me, attacked this court. We destroyed parts of the landscape and injured many fey creatures. Plumia stopped flying long enough to turn around. While he was here, King Pavel tried to create a crown with pieces of Crystal Fall's landscape so that he could become king of Crystal Fall. As Plumia turned around and began flying again, Clara laughed. He thought if he just made his own crown, he could somehow become king? Both Revan and Plumia turned to give her the exact same sidelong glance. After she said nothing, Revan just shrugged. That is how things work in fairy. Except, usually, fairy itself makes the crowns. No one else is allowed or able to do it, since true crowns carry enormous power. But since no one has claimed Crystal Fall yet, King Pavel thought he could make the crown himself. Clara's eyes opened wide. So, what happened to him? Did fairy itself attack him? She wasn't sure if she used that strange term correctly but the others didn't give any indication that it was wrong. Sort of, Revan replied in answer to her question. He then glanced toward the pixie. Plumia kept flying forward until she reached a tall tree at the top of a dip in the landscape. Once she reached the tree, she flew herself around to face the others. A hard and serious look hung in her eyes. We attacked him. All the pixies did. We do not want someone from Fairfrost to rule us. Once the fight against him began, the trolls turned against him too. The trolls stole his crown and tried to kill him so they could take the crown's power. But King Pavel escaped back to Fairfrost and ordered his soldiers to return to Fairfrost too. Revan rubbed a hand across the back of his neck. I did return as I was ordered. He raised one eyebrow but I made a bargain with the Pixies before I left. Clara nodded. He had already mentioned this deal before. I remember. You learned a way to escape your court, though you haven't done it yet. His fingers went straight to the blue knit scarf around his neck, which he glanced at twice before speaking again. Yes, I learned how, except now I have to fulfill my part of the bargain before I can do anything else. I have to save a tree for the Crystal Fall Pixies. He stepped forward and gestured toward the dip in the land where Plumia still hovered. Following where he pointed, Clara found a small valley with a large tree growing in the very middle of it. 
Well, it was sort of a tree. That description didn't really fit, not in its current state. When Revan started climbing down the hill to the valley with the broken tree, she followed. Just like all the other trees in Fairy, this had a trunk made of solid gold. The problem was with the branches. Only a few branches were still attached to the tree, and those all stuck out at strange, unnatural angles. Broken golden branches with cracked and shattered emerald leaves scattered throughout the rest of the valley. Even though the trunk was gold, it looked duller than all the other trees. Every few seconds, it would pulse with a brown hue until it almost looked like a regular wooden tree trunk. Plumia flew straight toward the tree and placed a hand on it. The moment she touched it, the tree trunk glowed with an even brighter golden glow than the other crystal fall trees. At the same time, her golden wings gave off the same sort of glow along with the sound of jingling bells. But the moment didn't last long. Soon, both the tree trunk and Plumia's wings dulled until they looked a sickly brown. Plumia even lowered a little, as if her wings couldn't lift her as high as they had earlier. This tree is the source of life for all pixies. If it stays like this, all of us will die. Curling her hand into a fist, Clara placed it over her heart. How are we supposed to save a tree made of gold? I assume you can't graft it like you would a regular tree. In answer to her question, Revan lifted one of the broken tree branches from the ground and held one end of it against the tree trunk. It didn't pass her notice that lifting such a large branch, even one made of solid gold, didn't seem to tax him in the slightest. Once he had the branch in place, he lifted his other hand and placed it flat against the tree trunk. He then whispered words she couldn't hear. In a glow of magic, the tree branch immediately melted and stuck fast to the tree, as if it had been there all along. Her eyes lit up at the sight. This would be easier than she thought. Her gaze scanned the valley filled with very large and very heavy golden branches. Then again, she likely wouldn't be much help at all. She didn't have magic to meld the branches to the tree, and she didn't have the necessary strength to lift any of them, except perhaps the very smallest ones. Still, she chose to try her best, at least. She had promised to help, after all. Let's get to it, then. Stepping forward, she lifted a branch that was no bigger than her forearm. Where should we put this one? She pointed to a spot on the tree trunk. How about there? With a heavy sigh, Plumia flew over to a small rock and plopped herself on top of it. Revan shook his head. It is more complicated than that. We cannot put the branches wherever we want. His fingers trailed up the tree trunk until they found the spot where he had just attached the branch to the tree. At the spot where they merged, a line of brown sat. The brown striation worked all the way through the connection, and even though it looked a little strange, Clara realized it was probably worse than that. Revan continued, We have to put the branches back in exactly the same places they were before the tree was torn apart. He sighed as he gazed over the valley filled with broken branches. Everything has been so damaged, it is nearly impossible to tell where everything is supposed to go. Clara realized now why Revan was so interested in her ability to judge sizes, shapes, and lengths. This tree wasn't a new creation. It was a puzzle. All the pieces had to be restored to exactly the right place. Luckily for her, Revan and the Pixies, she happened to be very good at puzzles. 
her lips tipped upward in a grin. Do we have a painting or any sort of record of what the tree looked like before it was destroyed? With a scoff, Revan used magic to break off the tree branch he had just added to the tree. I wish we did, but no. Using one finger to draw in the black soil, Clara shrugged. No matter. When a puzzle seemed too easy, she liked to hide the picture of how it was supposed to look and complete the puzzle without it. Of course, this was not an easy puzzle at all, but difficult didn't mean impossible. Maybe she'd just draw her own picture in the soil of how the branches should be attached. Once she got a good look at them, she could probably figure it out. She walked around the entire valley three times, examining each tree branch. Then she circled the tree trunk five times. While she worked, Revan grabbed tree branches at random and tried sticking them to the tree. Each time, they had the same strange brown line, indicating they were not meant to go in those positions. So far, the tree only had two attached branches that didn't have that strange brown line, and those had probably never been ripped off in the first place. After all her walking and examining, Clara was finally ready to try her luck at saving the tree. She pointed out a tree branch for Revan which he immediately lifted and brought to the tree. He held it against the trunk, but she directed him to bring it lower and over to the left. And then she told him to bring it left just a little more. Once he finally situated it in the exact spot she imagined, she nodded. He used his free hand to release magic into the tree, which melded the two pieces of gold together. Holding her breath, she leaned forward to check for the strange brown line. Revan leaned forward, too. Her heart skittered as she searched, and then its pulse jumped as she realized it had worked. The branch connected to the tree without the line of brown. She had already started to save this tree, and she did it on her first try, too. Plumia clapped her hands together in delight. Revan grinned. They both watched eagerly as Clara picked out the next branch. When she told Revan where to place it against the tree, he didn't complain at all as she directed him to bring it higher and to the left, then down a little and to the left a little more and then, no, a little higher again. When she was finally satisfied, his magic once again melted the branch to the tree. But this time, it didn't work. Her heart dropped at the sight. Revan's shoulders sagged. Trying to stay positive, she told him to take it off. She'd seen another branch she had also thought might go in that spot. But that one didn't work either. It soon became abundantly clear that this task would not be as easy as she had hoped. Still, they continued to work. What else could they do? Plumia groaned and buried her head in her hands, sitting again atop a small rock. If only we had a leader for our court. If we had a king or a queen, the power from their crown would surely be able to fix this tree. As she spoke, the tree pulsed and turned a little browner. Her head buried deeper in her hands. Clara glanced at the pixie while pointing out the next tree branch to try. As Revan lifted it and brought it near the tree, Clara whispered to him, I do not understand why you worried so much about me being indebted to the pixies. He kept his voice low while answering, In fairy, once a bargain is made, it cannot be undone. Fairy itself will compel you to finish what you have promised, no matter what. If you were indebted to the pixies, they would make you promise to save this tree. And if you made such a promise, you would die before you broke that promise. For the whole rest of your life, you would be able to do nothing except attempt to save the tree. A weight pressed down on her shoulders as his words sank in. She swallowed hard. 
But I did promise. I made a bargain with you. If she had known that while in the mortal realm, would she have agreed to the bargain still? In truth, she would have, and she knew it. Anything would be better than another day in the mortal realm. After that thought eased some of the weight off her chest, she caught a glimpse of Revan's face. Somehow, his expression eased even more of the weight off. He spoke while attaching the branch to the tree trunk. Our bargain was different from the promise the pixies would have required of you. Our bargain states that you will help to save the tree. If you attempt to save it and fail, you still helped and thus have fulfilled your duty. You will be free once you try to save it. You may even be free now since you already helped get one tree branch correctly attached. The weight on her chest drifted away completely, leaving her feet as light as feathers. But then an entirely new weight tangled in her gut. Her gaze found his stormy gray eyes. What about you? Will you be free if you help but ultimately fail? His answer was simple, but heavier than the entire golden tree before them. No. It was clear then. He had a way to escape Fairfrost, so he and his brother could be free of the control they experienced there. But he couldn't do it until this tree was saved. Entirely saved. Maybe her bargain with him didn't require it, but she was determined to work until then anyway. He had rescued her from her dismal life in the mortal realm. Bargain or no bargain, honor required that she stay by his side until he was free as well. Just like he had to repay her for repairing his scarf, she now had to repay him for taking her away from the mortal realm. But sometimes, determination wasn't enough to accomplish a task. She knew as much from all her years of trying to learn how to read and write. The thought seemed darker now that the sky had darkened too. The sun had just dipped below the horizon, leaving behind a dusky gray night. And now, it seemed things were about to get a lot more complicated. With a loud thunk, an axe landed in the center of the tree trunk. A moment later, three trolls appeared at the top of the hill. Clara's heart pounded. How could they save the tree when they'd have to fight again just to stay alive? Chapter 10 Even though Clara had only seen them for the first time the night before, the sight of trolls still filled her with despair. She jumped behind the golden tree trunk, knowing it would do nothing since the trolls had probably seen her already. They let out gurgling shouts that rippled through the air. When they charged down the hill, each of them wielded an axe. The axes looked even bigger than the ones they'd had in the mortal realm. These new ones appeared to be as heavy as the golden branches littering the ground. When they had traveled halfway down the hill, Plumia flew off her small rock and whistled. The sound of that whistle pulsed in the air, completely drowning out the trolls' shouts. A split second later, dozens of pixies in glittering clothes flew toward the lumbering creatures. The pixies shot magic and jewels at the trolls. The nine-foot-tall green creatures were completely unaffected as they kept charging down the hill. After their first attempt failed, the pixies threw jewels straight into the trolls' eyes. They also used their wings to fly in circles around the trolls' heads. Each of the flying creatures also shouted and screamed. The trolls didn't seem bothered by the screaming, but the jewels thrown into their eyes and the zooming pixies flying in circles around their heads did aggravate them. The trolls started swatting at the creatures. When one of the trolls caught a pixie in its fist, it immediately squeezed its fist tight. When it opened its fist again, the pixie fell to the ground, 
broken, and covered in dust from the crushed gems that once formed his clothing. Clara gasped at the sight of the dead pixie. None of the other pixies stopped, though. They flew in circles around the troll's head, even faster than before. Their screaming grew more incessant. They threw gems at the troll's eyes with more vigor. It slowed the trolls down, but it didn't stop them. Worse, the trolls managed to kill several more pixies before they reached the valley. By the time they arrived at the bottom of the hill, Clara had emerged from her hiding spot behind the tree. She didn't have much of a plan. To be honest, she didn't have any plan at all. But if those pixies could be brave and sacrifice so much to try and stop the trolls, then Clara would do her best, too. Revan stood on the other side of the tree from her. Once the trolls drew near them, he shot a blast of magic from his fingertips. The smoky, sparkling magic hit the troll on the soft skin just under its armpit. That was supposed to be the troll's weak spot, but this troll merely flinched at the contact. Even as the troll lumbered toward her, Clara examined the creature's soft spot. It certainly did look less rock-like in that spot compared to everywhere else on its body. From what she could see, it made sense that it was a weak point. But when Revan shot another wave of magic at the spot, the troll only flinched at it, just like before. Maybe trolls couldn't be killed with magic then, just like magic couldn't free Clara and Revan from that net. Maybe they needed something solid. Maybe they needed a weapon. Just as she came to that realization, another one dawned just as quickly. She didn't have a weapon. She had a fantastic dress, beautiful shoes, and gorgeous glossy hair, but she had nothing that could come close to piercing a troll's skin. At this point, her only idea was to trick the creature. The nearest troll charged Revan, but the second nearest one charged her. She carefully edged herself to the side until she stood directly in front of the tree. Then she raised both hands and shook them the way children did while taunting each other. Try and get me if you can. You'll never catch me. That's my plan. As she hoped, the troll let out an incensed roar and charged even faster toward her. Revan had made contact with the first troll, already fighting it, but he still opened his eyes wide at her words. Then he shook his head as if she had just spoken her last words, and there was nothing he could do to save her. Maybe she had just spoken her last words. Taunting a nine-foot-tall troll didn't exactly top the list of ways to stay alive. But with such a large creature running so fast now, it would be nearly impossible for it to slow that momentum to a stop. She dug her golden slippers into the black soil beneath her feet, still wiggling her fingers in that taunting shake. The troll was five feet away from her, four feet, three. It reached out, nearly plucking her off the ground. That was the moment. Holding her breath, she ducked and rolled to the side. Before the creature could stop, it rammed its head directly against the tree trunk that had been standing right behind her. A loud sound rang out as the stone-like troll head rammed against the golden tree. The creature left a deep dent in the trunk as it slumped to the ground. As a highly malleable metal, gold could be shaped and scratched easily, but it was also heavy. A rock could easily dent gold, but if the rock hit hard enough, the gold could crack it. The huge troll rolled onto the ground, letting out spits and hacks that were obnoxious and repugnant at the same time. It hadn't been nearly as injured as Clara had hoped, but it had done some good at least. When the troll got to its feet, it tumbled and tipped on every step. 
She had only succeeded at making the creature dizzy, but that was still a victory. Without a weapon, it was the best she could do. While the troll stumbled and tried to catch its balance, Revan came rushing toward it with an axe in his hand. His gaze was so focused on the soft spot under the troll's arm that he didn't even notice when a third troll struck a leg out to trip him. The two uninjured trolls closed in around him while the dizzy troll grabbed onto the golden tree for balance. The pixies continued to scream and fly around to distract the trolls, but it didn't help much. Revan held his axe high, but he had little hope against two trolls at once. Clara scanned the landscape for something, anything that might help. She caught sight of a small golden tree branch with a nice point on one end. Snatching it off the ground, she shouted Revan's name and tossed it to him. With the pointed tree branch in one hand, he immediately slammed it into the soft skin under the nearest troll's arm. The troll used its other arm to slam Revan to the ground, while also letting out a hair-raising shriek. Apparently, the trolls really did have a weak spot just under their armpits. It hadn't been unique to the troll king. But though the troll was injured, this injury hadn't been large enough to kill it. A small trickle of blood dripped from the wound, but it still seemed as capable as ever at fighting. With Revan on the ground, the troll shoved a foot onto his chest. Then the troll pressed down. Revan's face immediately turned bright red. He gasped for air. Clara tried to stand and run toward him, but another troll grabbed her by the waist and lifted her off the ground. Revan! She shouted his name, but he made no indication that he had heard. He just sputtered and coughed, still desperate to get some air. The troll probably would have killed him, except a voice sounded from the top of the hill. Forget them! Get the branches! Don't you remember our plan? It was worrisome to hear the trolls had someone directing them, that they had a plan. If only that were her only surprise. Sadly, it was worse than that. So much worse. Just as the troll holding her dropped Clara to the ground, she glanced up at the top of the hill. With his golden hair shining in the sunlight, Fritz stared down at her with a wicked smile. Yes, yes, forget them. Just get the branches like we talked about. The trolls stopped fighting right away and started gathering branches into their arms. The pixies screamed and started throwing their own bodies against the trolls' eyes. It didn't help. Nothing helped. Soon, the three trolls had each gathered armfuls of the branches. They ran back up to the top of the hill and disappeared through a swirling fairy door. When they left, they took Fritz with them. Clara wrapped her arms around her stomach and fell into a heap on the ground. Somehow, Fritz had found a way to ferry. He had clearly made some deal or other with the trolls. And now the trolls had the branches she and Revan needed to save the pixie's tree. Her gut churned. They were doomed. Chapter 11 This was Clara's fault. Her chin trembled as she stared at the darkened valley, now much emptier of the tree branches that had once been scattered there. Her legs curled up against her chest, as she tried to calm the heavy breaths that shook through her. If only she'd had a weapon. If only she'd been fast enough to stab the trolls as soon as they reached the valley, instead of trying to be clever and tricking a troll to slam into a tree instead. Her head sank beneath her arms as an even greater truth rang in her mind. If only she'd learned how to read and write. If she had, her parents would have loved her. 
If they'd loved her, they wouldn't have forced her into an engagement with Fritz. And then he wouldn't have been offended by her rejection of him. He wouldn't have found a way to ferry. He wouldn't have made a plan with the trolls. It didn't help to squeeze her legs closer to her body. It didn't help to rock back and forth. She had only just met Revan and the Pixies, and somehow she had already ruined everything for them. She always ruined everything. Her parents liked to point that out as often as they could. Heidi usually tried to pretend they were wrong. Clara usually tried to pretend to believe her lady's maid. But deep down, she knew the truth, that she failed at everything she tried. So why even try? Are you crying again? Revan's voice came out soft, though not at all gentle. He poked her with one finger and then gawked at her once he caught sight of her face. Using the back of her hand, she wiped away her tears. It wouldn't do much good because new tears would probably join them soon. And now she had probably ruined all the nice cosmetics the pixies had applied. Get up. Revan held a hand out to her, but immediately retracted it. He clasped his hands behind his back and began pacing the valley with the broken pixie tree. His eyes closed as he walked. I know in which cavern those trolls live, but they will fight anyone who tries to enter. Regardless, the cavern is likely where they took the tree branches. He continued muttering to himself as he paced, as if he had forgotten Clara even existed. While he walked, Plumia flew toward Clara and gave a loud tisk at the sight of her face. The little fey creature waved a hand and shot magic toward Clara's face. A tickling feeling broke out across Clara's skin, as if tiny bubbles popped across its surface. After a few seconds, the feeling stopped, and Plumia gave a satisfied nod. The pixie flew toward a large branch and rested on the ground next to it. Who was that mortal boy? You acted as though you recognized him. Just like that, the churning in Clara's belly returned. Tears pricked at her eyes, but she was determined to keep her tears back, if only so the pixies didn't have to fix her makeup again. Scowling at the ground, she answered, He's a troublemaker, someone who could have the entire world and still not have enough. Plumia nodded knowingly. He fits in well with the trolls, then. I am not surprised he made an alliance with them. The mortal probably thinks he has the upper hand, but any bargain with a mortal and a fae, even a troll, will nearly always favor the fae. It takes a very clever mortal to turn things in his favor. Two thoughts struck Clara at the exact same moment. First, she knew a little too well that Fritz had always been clever, especially when it came to deals. If any mortal could make a bargain with a fae and still come out on top, it was him. Second, she had also made a bargain with a fae, except her fae had purposely given her an easy way out. According to Revan, her part of the bargain was likely already fulfilled even though the Pixies were in an even worse situation than ever. At that moment, Revan stopped pacing and let out a huff. Do either of you have any ideas? Now, sitting up, Clara pulled her knees closer to her chest and wrapped her arms around them. Her voice would make it clear just how miserable she felt, but right now, she couldn't be bothered to care. Maybe we should just give up. Sometimes determination isn't enough to accomplish a task. Revan scowled at the words, but after another moment, a spark lit in his eye. He raised one eyebrow and even cocked a tiny smile. 
If determination alone is not enough, it simply means you are trying to solve the wrong problem. We just have to figure out the right problem, and then we can succeed. As he spoke, the night sky turned even darker. Stars hadn't yet appeared in the sky, but they would probably be visible soon. Plumia flew over to them, her wings giving off the sound of ringing wind chimes as she did. No more work tonight. When night falls, the revels begin. If our tree is to die and our lives to end, we have every intention of making the most of our evenings. When she flew off, following a different path than the one they had arrived on, Revan followed her with a slight glare. We need to sleep, too. We can revel for part of the night, but we will need rest if we have any chance of saving your tree. Clara didn't have time to wonder what a revel was. By the time the question started in her mind, they had already walked straight into one. Twinkling lights filled the gold and emerald trees surrounding them. Unlike the flickering candles that lit her Christmas tree back home, these lights didn't seem to need any fuel to stay alight. They just glowed and winked like bright spheres of white. Long tables lined the sides of a large open space. Each table had dozens of golden plates and goblets strewn across them, though as far as she could see, they had no food. Fay of all shapes and sizes danced in the large open area before her. Remembering the book from Heidi that identified trolls, Clara now identified several more fay creatures. Little brownies with floppy ears and wide eyes danced. Gnomes with long beards and black bug-like eyes sang along with the music that filled the space. Dryads floated across the black soil with the grace of royalty. Clara also spotted nymphs, satyrs, and of course, several pixies wearing colorful jeweled clothing. High Fay danced and laughed throughout the revel too. They looked mostly human, but like Revan, they had pointed ears, inhumanly tall heights, and more than perfect facial features. She could have spent the entire night staring at them. She probably would have, except her stomach had other ideas. Revan and Plumia followed her until she reached the nearest table. A part of her had hoped the meal would be visible once she got there, but sadly, it was not. Taking a plate from the table, she glanced back at the others. Is there no food? What do you want? Plumia asked with a grin. Clara shrugged. Anything. Revan shook his head. No, you must think of something specific. In response, Clara said the first thing that came to her mind. Cake. The moment the word left her lips, an exquisite piece of cake appeared on the plate in her hands. Moist chocolate cake, with three layers sat before her. Pink frosting held the layers together. Two plump cherries adorned the top of the slice. Using the fork that had also magically appeared, she dared to take a bite. As she hoped, it was her very favorite flavor of cake, Black Forest. She shoveled the chocolate, cherry, and cream dessert into her mouth, not even worrying about how her appetite might be spoiled if she consumed sweets before a meal. While she ate, Revan disappeared to the other side of the revel. Perhaps he wanted to find a place to sleep, since he had been so intent on resting. She, on the other hand, had absolutely no intention of sleeping, at least not until her belly was full. Grabbing a golden goblet from the table before her, she named her favorite drink out loud, hot cider. In less than a second, the steaming beverage appeared in her goblet. She took a long swig and didn't even wipe away the line of foam it left behind above her lips. 
now that she had finished her cake. She decided to try something a little less sugary. She conjured roasted pork and potatoes, her stomach feeling fuller by the minute. In the mortal realm, eating so much would have made her dress tight, but the pixie-made fairy dress must have been magic and adjusted with her. Or perhaps it was the food that was magic, helping her to feel full without actually making her so. Plumia had disappeared by then, but Clara didn't mind. Now she wandered the edge of the party, looking for the source of the music. Her parents' Christmas party had boasted a string quartet with some of the finest musicians in town, but this fairy revel seemed to have an entire symphony. Just like when the pixies had done their dances, the music didn't have any obvious source. Instead, it seemed as if the air itself pulsed and swelled with the sweeping melodies. Someone caught Clara's hand just then. A female fae with dark skin and silver and black eyes beckoned her toward the middle of the dance floor. At the female fae's side, a male fae with orange hair and matching freckles beckoned Clara forward, too. Her eyelids had finally started drooping, but perhaps she could manage just one dance. The male and female fae closed in on either side of her, giggling as the music played. After that first dance, Clara was ready to drop from exhaustion. She tried to sneak away and hopefully find Revan, but the male and female fae just smiled and told her to keep dancing. Her mind said to leave, yet her feet kept moving. Clara tried again to get away. She really did need some rest now. Still, her feet skipped and hopped and twirled to the music. Her head started spinning too. A third song began, and now she wanted to cry. She couldn't stop. No matter how she tried, her feet kept moving. Her heart raced faster now. It raced so fast she could barely catch her breath. The male and female fae who had lured her onto the dance floor laughed. At first, they had laughed like they were enjoying the music and the party. Now, they laughed at Clara, at her plight. Clara's stomach wound into tight knots. Her feet ached, probably growing blisters. A single tear slipped down to her chin, but she couldn't stop. She couldn't stop, and the fae around her just kept laughing. If her heart had been beating just a little slower, she would have called out for help. Surely, Plumia or Revan would have been able to get her off that dance floor. Her stomach sickened at the thought. She realized now that Plumia had led Clara to this revel in the first place. Maybe this had been her plan all along. And hadn't Revan abandoned her almost immediately after they arrived at the revel? Maybe he didn't care what happened to her now that her part of the bargain had been fulfilled. Just as a second tear escaped her eye, someone grabbed the male fae with orange hair and yanked him backward. Release her! Revan practically growled the words at the male fae. The male fae just laughed and clapped his hands together. But look at how her eyes fill with fear every time she twirls. Mortals are too much fun to play with. But Revan didn't accept that as an answer. He drew a sharp axe from his pocket and in a single swipe cut off the male fae's entire arm at the elbow. Blood poured from the wound dropping in heavy splashes onto the black soil below. With his hand still gripping the other fae's shoulder, Revan leaned closer. Release her now, or I will cut off your other arm, too. The male fae pouted. He looked more inconvenienced than horrified by his detached arm. He clicked his tongue and used his free arm to cover the wound. After another moment, Clara was free.
Her feet stopped suddenly, though her heart still raced. She had to gasp just to catch her breath. As soon as she had gulped in a few breaths of air, Revan took her by the hand and led her away from the revel. Aches stung her feet with each step. Her magical golden slippers had kept her feet comfortable all day and night, right until the dancing began. Still holding Clara's hand, Revan glanced back at her. I forgot to mention, most fae are not kind to mortals. One of his eyes narrowed as his head tilted to the side. Actually, most fae are not kind to anyone, but especially not to mortals. When he finally stopped, he had led them to a quiet thicket of golden trees far from the party. A makeshift bed with velvety blankets sat before her. You can sleep here. Plumia is in the tree above. I will sleep down the path a little where I will have a better view of the road. He waited until she climbed under the blankets, which were warmer and softer than she expected. After getting comfortable, she looked up at him through her eyelashes. Why couldn't I stop dancing? After letting out a sigh, he knelt down next to her. They enchanted you. Perhaps you need a ward to protect you from fey enchantments. Plumia can probably make you something. Now that he was eye-level, Clara found it nearly impossible to pull her gaze away from his. She might have been embarrassed by it, but he seemed to suffer from the same affliction. She swallowed hard. I can't believe you cut off that Faye's arm just to protect me. Revan waved it off. The arm will grow back eventually. I probably should not have left you like that, though. Her heart skipped at the words. Now that she sat, her feet already felt better, but that hadn't stopped her heart from racing. And twirling, even in the dusky light, she could barely make out the glints of blue in the storm of Revan's gray eyes. He reached for her face, brushing his thumb across her cheek. Her breath caught in her throat. When he opened his mouth again, she could see nothing but his lips. I will ask Plumia tomorrow to make you a ward. Clara nodded because she couldn't possibly speak. But she nodded with her eyes, afraid that if she moved her head too much, Revan might stop stroking her cheek. He held her gaze for another moment, and then he did it again. He leaned in. No magical symphony could have played music as brilliant as the music in her heart at that moment. Nearly all the years she should have been dreaming of young men. She'd instead been dreading a marriage that would have killed her. Now it seemed like all the years she should have been yearning came rushing back. The force of the yearning tilted her chin up. She leaned closer. One more inch, and their lips would touch. But then Revan dropped his hand, stood up, and took several steps back. He cleared his throat and turned away. When he did speak again, his voice came out colder than an ice storm. Plumia said a king or queen would have the power to save the pixie's tree. I have decided that tomorrow we must go to High Queen Winola and beg her to choose a leader for Crystalfall immediately. He stepped even farther away, stomping a little as he did. We leave as soon as day dawns. Chapter 12 a red bracelet filled with fey magic wrapped around Clara's wrist. Plumia promised it would prevent any fey from enchanting Clara again. The pixie had also used some sort of magic on Clara's sore feet, making it easy to walk when they started out the next morning. Those kindnesses might have felt better if Revan had bothered to acknowledge Clara's existence. He hadn't even woken her up in the morning, 
instead sending the pixie to do it. Now Clara walked at the back of a group of sixteen fay who all headed toward the high court to make an appeal to the high queen. A female fay with long dark hair that fell to her mid-calves opened a door for them. The swirling tunnel looked nothing like Revan's had. This new fairy door had swirls of orange, pink, and maroon, and it smelled of cinnamon and cardamom. Apparently, Revan had to avoid opening his own doors, or it would be easier for the trolls or the king of Fairfrost to find them. Though with Revan at the very front of the group, doing his best to avoid Clara, she was starting to not care so much about his well-being. They had shared such a special moment the night before. He had even saved her from those cruel fae who made her dance without stopping, and now he found her presence unfit for his attention. It wouldn't have hurt so much if her own parents hadn't done the same thing once they realized Clara would never learn to read. On the other side of the door, they entered a forest similar to those in Clara's world. But even though these trees were wooden and had true leaves, the lush forest still had a magical quality unlike anything she had ever experienced. Moss covered tree trunks and rocks. A light breeze kept the air cool and comfortable. The scent of crisp rain and wild berries hung thickly in the air. Such a beautiful landscape made it difficult for Clara to keep scowling. As their group headed toward the castle, Clara also had one thing to be grateful for. She had Plumia to talk to. Turning to the pixie, Clara tucked a strand of dark hair behind one ear. There are people of many different colors here in Fairy. My world has people of many different colors too, but where I live, everyone mostly has fair skin and light hair. My father and I have darker hair than almost everyone I know. Plumia flapped her wings a little faster, which made the twinkling bell sound that accompanied them ring a little faster, too. Crystalfall is different from the other courts in Fairy. In the other courts, all the Fae are the same. She gestured toward Revan, who was barely visible at the front of the group. In Fairfrost, the Fae mostly have fair skin and light-colored eyes. In Swift Sea, they have dark skin and black hair. In the High Court, you'll soon see, the Fae have light brown skin, but it has a reddish undertone. She gestured now to the female Fae with long dark hair who had opened the door. In Dust Dune, the Fae also have light brown skin, but theirs has an olive undertone. The other courts have their own look too. Each court is different, but the Fae within each one looks similar to each other. Clara turned to the side. So why does everyone in Crystalfall look like they've all come from different courts? Because they have, Plumia shrugged. You might say Crystalfall is a court of misfits. Fae go there because they do not fit in with their own court. My court attracts mortals, too. Mostly the ones who want to escape the Fae who brought them here. Every high Fae in Crystalfall lived at a different court at one point in their life. Shaking her head, Clara considered the words. But you said you did not want King Pavel of Fairfrost to rule Crystalfall. You said you did not want anyone from Fairfrost ruling the court. That is true. Now Clara looked at the pixie a little more intensely. But if Crystalfall has no natural citizens, if every fay who lives there originally comes from a different court, then who could possibly be chosen to rule it? Plumia winced at the words. She had probably thought of the same questions, but chose to keep them unspoken. But she couldn't avoid them now, not with them thickening the air. 
Finally, Plumia released a long-suffering sigh. The High Queen will know. She chose rulers for all the other courts. Certainly, she can choose one for Crystalfall as well. Her words were sure, but her tone was not. Plumia must have had just as much uncertainty about this appeal as Clara did. By the time the large castle came into view, its high towers stretching to the sky, Clara's heart only scampered and twinged. Fay soldiers with light brown skin, black hair, and suede coats and pants led their group through a maze of castle hallways until they reached the throne room. When they entered the large room, Clara's eyes widened. The vaulted ceilings appeared to be at least four stories tall. Tapestries decorated parts of the wall, running from the very top all the way to the stone floor below. A large chandelier made of white crystal hung over the center of the room. It boasted workmanship only the finest craftsmen could have claimed. At the side of the room, a man of about twenty-six years stared at the chandelier like it was as precious as his own child. After a long look at the chandelier, he then glanced at the woman sitting upon the throne. His look changed to complete and utter awe. The man appeared to be mortal. He didn't have the stunning features or pointed ears of the fae. Apparently, that didn't stop him from admiring the High Queen like she was the greatest gift any realm had ever known. Soon, their group reached the throne, which was made entirely of tree branches and the brightest, lushest leaves Clara had ever seen. High Queen Winola had light brown skin with a reddish undertone as Plumia had described. The High Queen also had glossy black hair that fell to her waist. She wore a suede dress with red and white strings of beads decorating the bottom hem. Her crown was made of small tree branches and had a green gem at the front. Most surprisingly of all, the High Queen looked no more than a year or two older than Clara. After seeing the reverence the other fae gave when speaking of her, Clara had expected the woman to be at least forty. Instead, she appeared to be a very young adult, just like all the fae standing in front of Clara now. The High Queen didn't bother speaking a single word. She just lifted her chin and stared down at their group. Everyone instantly knew it was time to explain. Revan dropped to one knee. My queen. He cleared his throat before continuing. Crystalfall has no leader. A flash of emotion that looked very much like anger sparked in the High Queen's eyes. Despite her youth, she looked every bit like the most important person in the room. I am aware. Her voice dripped with a patronizing tone. You hardly needed to come all this way just to point that out. Revan gulped loud enough that Clara could hear it even from the back of their group. Still, he lifted his chin. Crystalfall is also in danger. The tree that gives life to pixies has been damaged. If it is not saved soon, the pixies will die. The slightest twitch lifted one of the High Queen's eyebrows. She leaned forward ever so slightly. And? Revan continued. We are here to ask that you choose a leader for Crystalfall. He gestured behind him at the group of fae. Some of the court's most prominent fae are here for you to choose from. In a graceful, sweeping motion, the High Queen stood from her throne and glided over to the fae. The colors in her eyes swirled and pulsed, as if they carried magic the rest of fairy did not have. 
Her chin remained high as she looked over every fay in their small group. Some fay received a closer examination. Others were only given a small glance before she shook her head and moved on. She spent considerable time looking at Revan. The High Queen's eyes changed from dark to light and from shiny to sparkling all in a single moment. She continued her search, even sparing a glance at Clara. While High Queen Winola's gaze fixed onto Clara, the High Queen finally spoke again. I have often wondered who would become leader of the elusive Court of Crystalfall. Her gaze sharpened, and her eyes swirled with more magic than ever. But then she trailed back to her throne and sat down. With a heavy sigh, she looked at Revan again. I cannot do it. Even from her position behind the others, Clara could see that Revan was taken aback. He opened and closed his mouth a few times, probably trying to figure out what he should say next. When he looked up at the High Queen, she just shook her head. I cannot choose a leader for that court. It is not for me to decide. One of the Fae from their group stepped forward and nodded once at the High Queen. But my queen, you chose leaders for all the other courts. She started nodding even before the Fae had finished speaking. Yes, but Crystal Fall is different. Only Fairy itself can choose leaders for it. By now, Revan had gotten to his feet. Then can you save the Pixies tree? Surely your magic as High Queen has enough power for it. It does, but... Her head lowered until she stared at her lap. I cannot do that either. A way to save the tree has already been provided. What way? Plumia asked. She flew closer to the throne and held her breath, waiting for the answer. But the High Queen didn't look at Plumia. Instead, High Queen Winola's gaze turned back to Clara's. You must discover it on your own. Breaking her gaze, the High Queen waved their group off. It didn't require a single word for them to know they had been dismissed. Soldiers wearing suede immediately surrounded them and escorted them from the room. Just before Clara exited the doors, she caught one last glimpse of the High Queen. The woman threw a sly smile at the mortal man who had been admiring her earlier. He responded by visibly melting on the spot. As sweet as the interaction was, it didn't change Clara, Revan, or the Pixies' plight. Without the High Queen's help, they were right back where they had started. They had a tree to save, and they no longer had the branches to do it. I hope you enjoyed listening to part three of Nutcracker of Crystal Fall by K.L. Moody, narrated by Corinne Norton. If you've enjoyed the story so far, be sure to stick around for the next two episodes to find out how Clara and Revan fare in Crystal Fall. If you want to read more by Kay, go to klmoody.com to find more of her books. Faye and Crystal Thorns is Kay's spin-off series, and the Nutcracker story you're listening to is a far-in-the-distant-past prequel to that series. So if you want to get all your answers about Crystal Fall, start with Flame and Crystal Thorns, which tells Chloe and Quintus's story. It also happens to be the book Kay is giving away in our holiday giveaway, which ends in just three days. Enter by the end of December 15th to win a signed hardcover copy of her book, as well as an art print and bookmark. 
along with other prizes from our November featured authors. Go to findingfantasyreads.com giveaway to enter. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Finding Fantasy Reads. It lets you automatically download new episodes as they come in, but it also helps increase the podcast's visibility on podcast platforms, which helps both authors and listeners find the show. Long story short, it means the podcast can continue to give you more short stories for even longer. As always, I will have links for all of these sites in the show notes. Thank you all for listening, and happy reading 